We're reading Ephesians chapter 4 from page 977. I, therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit. In the bond of peace, there is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. But grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, it says, when he ascended on high, he led a host of captives and he gave gifts to men. In saying he ascended, what does it mean but that he had also descended into the lower regions of the earth? He who descended is the one who is also ascended far above all the heavens, that he might fill all things. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness in deceitful schemes, rather speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. Now this I say, and testify in the Lord, that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do. In the futility of their minds, they are darkened in their understanding alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them. Due to the hardness of their hearts, they have become callous and have, been, and have given themselves up to sensuality, greedy to practice of every kind of impurity. But that is not the way you learned Christ. Assuming that you have heard about him and were taught in him as the truth is in Jesus, to put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires, and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds, and to put on the new self, created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. Therefore, having put away falsehood, let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbour, for we are members one of another. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger, and give no opportunity to the devil. Let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor, doing honest work with his own hands, so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such is good for building up, as fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamour and slander 
be put away from you, along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ forgave you. Walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. Have you heard that scripture before? Do you think about your walk in terms of your calling, as it says there? Uh, I'd like you to think about that today and for all of us to think together about that today. And as we do so, I I want to run a bit further, I suppose, uh, from the two ideas we were looking at last week, if you recall, salvation and transformation, uh, and, and take those two things and kind of split them again a different way today. Uh, and actually, I think, take all of the paired ideas that we've been thinking about through this whole series, everything we've covered as we've tried to get a handle on the basic counsel of God in Scripture, all of it can probably be picked up again today and kind of uh, split in a new way as we open up Ephesians 4 here. And that new split runs like this. Uh, Each of those paired ideas we've been thinking about in the counsel of God needs to hit home in each of our hearts. And uh, so too, though, all those ideas need to strike home in our heart in terms of the many, those around us in God's church, The one is vital if we're going to understand God's word, but so too is the many. Christianity has somehow become very lonely. It's it's so lonely. It's all been personalised just so much and it's applied individualistically in a way that, that really fails to even catch the true depth of the word of God and therefore the work of God. Modern English has not been our friend on that score. In modern English, uh, we use the same pronouns uh, for the second person, you and your, whether we're talking to one person or many. And so that makes it very hard for us to see whether verses of scripture are actually directed at the one or at the many. Uh, In the old days, it wasn't so. Thou and thee and thy were used for talking to one person and and you and ye and your were uh, for when speaking to the many. So you can see the difference in uh, these verses real quick in that term term of things. If you're looking at something like the King James Version in Old English or or the Revised Version uh, or uh, something like Young's Literal Translation if you want to get uh, real up close and raw, uh, whether a Bible verse is addressed to one person or to the many, Uh, And even more so if you go back into the original Greek under all this. Not just the pronouns there, but but the verbs and the participles are all inflected too uh, as to whether it's speaking to one person or to many. But in modern English, I stand here and I'm sorry to say, but in modern English we have lost that distinction. And paired together with our fiercely independent culture, what we tend to lose there, therefore, is the plural dimension of God's word. You, yourself, and and your are now just read and, and understood and received as me, myself, and I. That's all I can kind of read in these words. I thought we'd better pull these two things out here today, therefore, the one and the many, and and think about scriptures that way a bit more. Because as it happens, more than two-thirds of those you and your pronouns in the New Testament scriptures are actually written with a plural audience in view. 
which we can lose in the modern English translations. And uh, so we tend to pick up and apply the call of Jesus all too personally, individualising all his words when most of them he hasn't intended quite as so. And I thought we might pull these two things out to look at them, the one and the many, here in Ephesians 4, because in this particular passage, the plurality of you and your words here is, is actually pretty easy to see by, by all the other words in between, a togetherness words that make the context here pretty clear. The unity, the bond, the building up ideas, the body, the plural you in this passage should be easy to see despite that pronoun issue in our modern English words. Uh, so much so, actually, uh, that neither the walking in the worthy manner nor the calling there in verse 1 is actually directed at the lone Christian. I, therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. The singular in that verse is Paul. The urge he is giving, he is giving to the church. If I can paraphrase, uh, I suppose. I urge you all, therefore, to walk in a manner worthy of the calling Singular, we might point out, the calling to which all of you were called, that is, to take together as one. Which ought to be easy enough to see if we don't stop there in verse 1 but actually just push on in chapter 4. The oneness that runs through this text is not oneness of the individual, it's the oneness of them all together as one. And we can see that, as I say, by all the togetherness words that then unfold in verse 2. Walk with all humility, gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love. These are all relational words, aren't they? Every single one. The oneness here is found together not on our own. There's a unity of the spirit, verse 3. There's one body, verse 4. Just as you were all called to the one hope that belongs to all of your call, that is the singular call together that you all have received. This is one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father, which therefore sets up the necessary togetherness of all of the many involved in this call, that the one God is over all and through all and in all. Do you see where the singulars fall in the flow of this here? Not on us individually, but on us together. Together as one, because the one plan of the one God is to create one people, plural in singular, one people for himself. And so our place, in, in the individual sense of that word, our place is directed towards the many, according to this scripture. Our calling is with our brothers and sisters. Or, or if you head things around the other way, I suppose, the place of the many in the Christian faith is geared towards the one. 
the church of God. And yet, don't miss this truth. Each one of us is key in that many, as verse 7 goes on. But grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. But not on our lonesome, do you see, for for our own kind of sense of self-worth, but together, verse 8. Therefore, it says, when he ascended on high, he led a host of captives and he gave gifts to men, personal gifts towards a plural cause. We are Christ's church, verses 9 and 10. He is the one who died for us as his church. He is the one who now reigns over us as his church and it is his church that he is building, which I'm afraid is a bigger picture than our modern personalised ideas of faith might subscribe to. Jesus is building his church and he gave the apostles and the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers to equip the saints, each of the saints, we might say, if we try to get through the singulars and plurals running through here, uh, each of the saints, and together we might understand for the singular, we might notice, the singular work of ministry, which is what? For building up the singular body, the body of Christ his church. Uh, that's the New Testament metaphor here of the one and the many, the body and its parts, uh, until we all attain to the unity of the faith, to the mature man in the Greek, the singular person of that corporate metaphor, the body, the mature man, in all in other words, all of us together make one body. We, we are like one man before God, growing up into the likeness of Christ, our head. Collectively, verse 15, we are to grow up together, that is to say, grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. Jesus is building his church with each person he calls in. Hence, this scripture is addressing the many in the one. Why have we so lost touch with this picture and this idea? A lost sense of the body, the, the church. Why do we read uh, that beautiful verse 1 in Ephesians chapter 4 and probably a verse like verse 7 as well and, and somehow let those verses override their context here of the body, subconsciously kind of detach ourselves from the page of scripture here and just drift off thinking about ourselves and our own personalised walks. The call of God for 
each of us is shaped towards the many. So I too easily sit and ponder to myself, therefore, whether I am humble, verse 2, whether I am gentle, am I patient, am I forbearing, loving, am I a cooperative person with others, am I, am I faithful, am I knowledgeable, truthful, I wonder, am I truthful? All of those things that God spells out here inherently require not just me in myself, in my own walk, they require the others in his church. These things all require of me to be in Jesus' church. They are relational words, every single one, and they all need relationship. And in clear context here, the relationship that we are called to, Jesus' church. Catch this first vital truth from our look through Ephesians 4 today. The Christian call is not just about me and my private walk. It is about that, but inasmuch as I, being one, joined together with the many of God's children, so as to have the many together create the one. And to that end, the many need to learn how to function as one, uh, which requires of me and, and each one of us to be brought to maturity together as, as each one learns how to play their part. So just as the emphasis falls on the one body together, so too the many of its parts is on view because all of them must come into play. In other words, catch this second vital truth in Ephesians 4 today. None of us are just to hide among the masses in Jesus' church, so to speak. Every single one of us he has called is precious and, and part of his singular plan. Each of us who have been called have been called into Jesus' church where we belong. And so collectively as the chapter rolls on, the church is called to walk and work together as one, engaging with each other and engaging each person in the community as they all learn to walk together as Jesus' church. There's a little use uh, of the singular here, uh, like to raise the category of stealing in verse 28 to help him get across his point, but, but otherwise, as I say, the changes called for here are all given in the plural pronouns and verbs. The church as one body must oversee the change, the transformation that now must come in the many. Not one of us, we might say, to understand verse 17, not one of us must any more walk as the uncalled Gentiles walk, darkened, unknowing, ignorant, uh, hard-hearted and calloused and, and given over to sensuality and, and greed and greed for impurity at that. But, but that is not the way that you, plural you, that is to say, that is not the way that you learned Christ, assuming that you all 
have heard about him and you were all taught in him as the truth is in Jesus to all put off your old self which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires and to all be renewed in the spirit of your minds and to all put on the new self created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness to put in all those alls there to help us see the plurality of this call. The one body must watch over the many as they all and as they each walk out their call. Hence all the relational words that then start flowing again from verse 25. Therefore, having put away falsehood, let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbour. For we are all of us, that is, for we are members one of another. Do you see what he's saying here? The call requires something of each of us, and yet it requires us all to be together. It's for the many and it's for the one as we come together as church. Look at all these relational ideas rolling through here. Anger, verse 26, stealing, sharing, talking, building up, giving grace, hearing, and grieving. Do not grieve. Again, this is in the plural. As a church, that is, let none of you grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you all were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamour and slander, little relational words, aren't they? For the many learning how to function as one. Let all that stuff be put away from you, plural you, as a church, let all that stuff be put away from you along with all malice. Another relational word. Be kind to one another. Relational word, isn't it? Tender-hearted with one another, a relational word. Forgiving one another, relational word, as God in Christ forgave you. Plural you, of course, as God in Christ forgave you all. If you are in Jesus' church, then this is your call. In a curious way, Christians have somehow managed to to fall away from both sides of of what the scripture here is trying to say uh, and, of course, what is pressed all the way through God's word. The individual responsibility is clear, but so too is the call and the idea of us all. Uh, And yet we've somehow mastered how to do away with both of those things and, and how to do away with both those things at the same time. We hold up a card that says, I'm walking my way of faith under Christ. And by that, though, what we mean to say is that we're not really prepared to commit to anyone else in Jesus' church. We dismiss God's call as to the many. And yet, on the other side, I reckon, it's on the other side of that same card, we've kind of got a a get-out-of-jail pass on the other side. If, If I can just blend in with the church crowd, no one's even going to notice how my walk is even going. 
And so we cut ourselves free from God's call upon the one. On both counts, we hold out on Jesus' church, not really committing to others and caring for others and helping others in their walk, but at the same time holding them back and away from ourselves, not letting anyone lean in close enough to see well enough to give any kind of guidance or corrective measure on our soul. So this is what happens then when we miss all the, the communal part of God's call. We, we actually unwittingly lose our grip on the individual part of his call as well. We fall out of fellowship, proper Christian relationship to the detriment of both others and self. Both the many and the one suffer. But if we can catch this in Scripture, if we can see these two things and the way that they were designed to fit together as they do, the one and the many, well, well, if we catch that, then, then yeah, it is going to humble us as we come under this call. It is going to teach us how to be kind. It's going to show us how to be tender-hearted with others, what it truly means to forgive one another. It's going to lead us into truth and, and into actual Christian love, just as Jesus calls us to in bringing us all into and, and building, us, building us up as his church. And I'm sorry, but I don't think we're otherwise going to come into those things the way Jesus intends without catching both the one and the many of his call and how they do work together. And as we do see them and we slowly learn how to submit to these words in Jesus' call, well, then we'll, we'll find ourselves slowly but surely falling in with his purpose. We will be properly transformed. Each and every one of us will be properly transformed and we will together, as many, become one. I'd hazard a guess that all of us, all of us are, are falling short and, and failing on these two dimensions of God's high and lofty call. At some level, that, that all of us are holding back, I guess, therefore, on Jesus' call. That we all need encouraging on these two difficult things. Which is surely part of why we're called to do it together. And part of why Jesus has this letter and so many others like it written to his church to encourage us and, and each of us together as we become one on these things. It's also one of the reasons why I'm a fan of church membership. This is a local expression of these truths. Paul's writing here Jesus' call on, on the church global, but he's writing it to a local congregation, an expression of this very same truth. And I know it's an unpopular idea for our modern culture, but I won't hesitate to say that word, membership. It's the only way I can really see how to make sense of what Jesus is saying in scriptures like this here. We need each other, he says. Look at verse 16. We need each other. We need all parts together, working and functioning together 
as they should. We are members, verse 25, one of another. We are members. The church is about relationship in the community of God's people. Relationship with him, of course, but so too relationship with one and another. See these truths here in Ephesians 4 where they're easy enough to see and you'll see them running right through the letters that he's written to his church. How else should we expect then to be able to interpret the counsel of God in God's word, but as many and as one? There's more we do need to say on this as we try to unravel this further, as we think more through this on uh, what we hear here as Jesus' church. But I've set that aside for next week, as I think that's enough for today. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word, as we always do, and for what we see here today. Uh, your word that's been given to each one of us and your word that's been given to us as your church. Uh, help us to get these two things here today. Uh, help us to get them in an even richer way than we might have already seen them. Help us to, more importantly, submit to these two ideas. Search our hearts in terms of our walk, uh, each and every one of us, we do pray. And search us together as you build us up as your church. Help us to be many in one and, and walking together with each other, many as one. Uh, help us surrender and help us to truly therefore belong to you and to one another. For the glory of Jesus in all of his church, in his name we pray. Amen.